0: Okay and hello and welcome to another uh, podcast, Trinity College Dublin Talks. With us today is Ruth Brito, who is a theoretical physicist studying fundamental interactions. Now I have to say, in all these podcasts, we we, we generally try and have people on the show who who have easy enough uh, research topics. Uh, Today I can't promise you that. You know, what Ruth does is incredibly complicated. But I think all the more fun for it, and all the more interesting to try and get to to the bottom of it. I'll give you a flavour of what she does. Her work is apparently, or she's apparently best known for her work in scattering amplitudes, which is a lovely expression, it sounds almost like poetry, but I'm hoping Ruth, and welcome Ruth first of all. Thank you. I'm hoping Ruth will be able to explain this to us, and maybe think a little bit about what we need to know in science, and, and perhaps what we don't, or in particle physics, but although Ruth is really interested in particle physics. She came to it through maths. She studied maths at MIT, I think it's fair to say, and physics at Harvard. Since then, she's worked in, in a couple of European, uni- European universities, and we were lucky enough in 2014 for her to come to Trinity. You, you, you must be used to explaining to uh, strangers, acquaintances, family members, what it is you do in, in, a, in a kind of a nutshell, I mean, how how would you, how would you describe it?
1: So I describe it broadly as studying the scattering of fundamental particles. And many people will have heard of the Large Hadron Collider, which is a giant particle collision experiment now running in CERN in Geneva. Um, A big international experiment, and this is where notably the Higgs boson was discovered in 2012 it's both a measurement machine and a discovery machine and of course the most spectacular outcome would be the discovery of some new particles that perhaps answer some some open questions or perhaps are totally surprising
0: so that's actually a lovely explanation so you are looking for you're one of the people on the planet looking for the new particles that we know common sense tells us must be out there that will help explain i suppose how the universe was, was created out of Well,
1: let me say, so I'm not involved in the experiments. Mm. I'm not actively searching for new particles, nor does my work predict new particles. So what my work on scattering amplitudes does is it sort of tames the, the mathematics describing all the particle scattering that's going on there. So you have to imagine the machine is scattering, was co- set up to collide two protons, proton beams from opposite directions, And when that happens, because the proton itself is a composite particle, it contains quarks and gluons, then many, many things can happen and many, many things do happen. You have quark-quark collisions, quark-gluon, gluon-gluon, and from these you you produce new particles, most of which are already well understood and well predicted, and that's that's most of what you see. And then among this big so-called background, you hunt for signals of something new. For example, the Higgs. And so my work is describing sort of all the probabilities of all these scatterings. And so amplitudes, that term amplitudes is short for probability amplitude. Okay. And sort of a statistical event, and that's something you calculate in quantum field theory.
0: So do you sit here in Trinity knowing something's going to happen and kind of basically try and forecast what will happen? And then the experiment is conducted and you see whether those forecasts came right? Is Is that a way of thinking about it or...?
1: So my work makes it possible to do these computations more efficiently.
0: Right. You're, you're thinking of the formulas that are needed, the, 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 the computations that are needed. Tell me, have you actually gone out to CERN? Have you? Is that something you need to do? or Can you no, do from here? No, it's not something here? I need to do. And but have you I did the theory division yeah, right. to talk to other yeah.
1: theorists. I've only been above ground, unfortunately. I've never actually seen the actual apparatus underground.
0: And would you like to? Or oh, sure. Yeah, no, just yeah, as, a, as, yeah, a just yeah, as, as a tourist. Yeah. Um, let, let's talk about how you became interested in this. You know, at what, what age did you decide, oh, I'm, I'm really interested in maths, I'm really interested in physics, and I'd like to see how these two things kind of work together. I mean, wh- wh- was this at the age of 10? Did, did one of your elementary school teachers take, you aside, take your parents aside and say, hey, you know, Ruth, she's off the charts, or did it happen much later? Or h- How did it begin for you?
1: I was always, I always enjoyed mathematics as a child and was very good at it. Physics didn't come until later. And then when, maybe when I was a young teenager, I I knew that many of the kids who enjoyed mathematics also loved physics. But in the American system, you only get one year of physics in high school. And it tends to be the last year. So I was waiting to get a proper physics education. That came quite late. And actually when I had it, then I was a bit disappointed. And I did not immediately go into physics. So and why were you <laughs>
0: disappointed, Ruth? What was, what was the, what, 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 Why were you disappointed?
1: Well, it was a lot of time with just um, classical Newtonian mechanics, which of course is wonderful, but it seemed maybe the mathematics that went with it was not very stimulating. It just seemed like being presented with with a whole series of very simple equations, except that then, you know, the the letters had different physical meanings every time, but it was just, you know, solving very simple equations. And then that was the whole point of the course. And I mean, we did watch some spectacular demonstrations, so it was, but it uh, didn't quite live up to my expectations. I guess, meanwhile, I had been reading on the side some, some books for lay people about particle physics. And so I thought, you know, the whole story of the 20th century the discovery of quantum mechanics and the discovery of all the various particles and a series of experiments, I thought that was, that was great. But I didn't connect that to my education and so I didn't start in physics. It wasn't until halfway through my undergraduate course when some friend said, you know, well, a good mathematician should actually know some quantum physics. <laughs> that I decided to take quantum physics and you know, in the American system you're very free to, to pick and choose mm. in addition to the, the minimum degree requirements. I was studying all kinds of different things on the side, just individual courses. And so I took a quantum physics, and, and then I was hooked.
0: And were you were you always STEM though, or did you did you were you interested in the arts as well? I mean, you know, clearly you had this mass math bent that you, you knew about, mm-hmm. and then you you went into it. But was there was there any you know? It's interesting that you're saying, in a way, what I'm hearing you say, but perhaps that's because I love history. That that it was layman's books about how important quantum physics was to the 20th century that that allowed you to remember that particle physics is interesting, even if your last year in school wasn't that interesting. Yeah,
1: actually I'm not sure why that was, because I was a good student overall Yeah, and I enjoyed the Arts and Humanities classes as well. And I, somehow, I I was thinking of other things. I was thinking of biology and chemistry. I I don't know why I wasn't thinking as much about the arts.
0: So as your studies went on, you you became more and more interested in particle physics, interested enough to to do Mm -hmm. a PhD in, in physics. And and what was the um, what was the question or the challenge that your PhD was trying to answer?
1: I was then there was a an interesting time for me and some of my peers because string theory was very big at the time. So just as I was finishing my undergraduate degree. Now, when was string
0: theory big? When, when, what are we talking about? Well, now?
1: we're talking about the so- so-called second string revolution, which was in the mid-90s. <laughs> Passed me by. Okay, in the mid-90s. <laughs> now, there was a first string revolution in the, in the 80s. Right, the okay. Started yeah. going. But then in the mid-90s, um, yeah, suddenly... The idea so, I mean, string theory had been a very important idea, I guess, since the mid-80s, maybe even before, because you know, it was this leading candidate for unifying quantum theory with um, general relativity, Einstein's theory of gravity. You know, we have these fundamental forces, all the forces we know about that govern particles, and then also gravity. And they seem to be almost impossible, or really impossible to combine, unless you had something like string theory. But string theory had its own internal inconsistencies, which were partly addressed in the mid-80s, and then in the mid-90s, suddenly it seemed to cohere. It seemed like all the different ways people were doing string theory were actually really the same string theory, and it seemed they could, we're really ready to address problems of you know, how do we explain the universe that we observe. So I was just finishing at this time, and string theory is also very mathematical. So coming out with a math degree as somebody who is going into theoretical physics, I got a lot of encouragement to go into string theory, and I did so.
0: Tell me a little bit about how a modern mathematician works. I mean, are you are you using computers or are you uh, do you basically have a fourth scrap? piece of paper and a pen and you know you're, you're writing down for me you know where both computers are important but it is still and
1: in fact I, I wish I had a better programming background than I do because it's, I think it's useful for all mathematicians and, and radical physicists wh-
0: where, where do your where, where does your thinking come from where, where do your ideas come from I mean is it as likely to come from a walk in nature or cycling on a bike or do you have to really sit down and say, now I'm going to think for the next three hours about this this topic at hand. I'm I'm very interested in the creative process of something as abstract as what you do.
1: Yeah, for me it doesn't come from a walk in the woods, although Mm. it probably helps my general well-being. Mm. But no, it comes from thinking, especially from discussion. Okay. From talking with people who are are thinking about similar things, but coming with different experience.
0: And with that discussion, uh, because obviously I mean the, the community of... Particle physicists who are really good at maths, with a you know, bedding in string theory. Th- th- there must be a fairly small group of people. Uh, do you do you meet from time to time, and discuss, or is it over the phone, or is it by by email and kind of chat groups? So you know, how how yes, does that discussion? All of the above. Of the above mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh,
1: so it is it is really helpful to travel somewhere and to yeah. to sit for a week with people doing similar things at a workshop.
0: So. And uh, does it ever feel lonely that that? so few other people understand what it is that you do.
1: Well, I imagine it's similar for most academics.
0: I think there are some, and this is kind of, I suppose, we're we're talking as it happens uh, on the 60th anniversary to the week of the publication of an article by a guy called C.P. Snow who bemoaned the fact that there were two cultures in Britain. One was the science community and one was the arts community, and uh, he gave a, a very stark. I mean, the, the essay is full of nonsense, but he gave a very stark um, example, which is that if you go to a dinner party, pretty much everyone at that dinner party will expect you to be familiar with Shakespeare, at least know who he was and be able to name a couple of plays and a few quotes. Whereas, very few people would write you off as an ignoramus if you didn't know the second law of thermodynamics. And I suppose that's what I'm thinking. Like, you're right that you say. I'm sure you're right that that. It can be lonely for all kinds of academics, but if you're a, a legal uh, uh, academic or a history or even, you know, some of the other sciences are more accessible and discussed, I suppose, quite quite regularly, but your field, it seems to me, when it's discussed, is generally discussed in kind of a, a sense of awe. No one will ever challenge it or ask about it. They just they just take it as given. It's It's... It's different, it's not part of the public discourse.
1: That's true, I wouldn't be able to be challenged, but I mean, on the topic of two cultures, I'm not sure how it is in the arts, but I I wouldn't find it easier to talk to most scientists than to talk to a LA layperson. Right, yeah, because it's that
0: abstract, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's very... <laughs>
1: you need to be a physicist who knows what quantum field theory mm. is. <laughs> so That brings me back to
0: my point about (laughs) perhaps (laughs) being lonely, that there aren't a huge That's right, but that's
1: why I imagine it's similar for... I don't know. I I don't know what it's Mm, like like, so much to be... I mean, if you're a laboratory scientist, do other scientists... Would other scientists be able to relate to what's going on in your lab?
0: Do you think it... Science communication, I suppose, is is part of my field, of communication is... I mean, do you think it's important that the public understand science? Do you think there's a big deficit, or do you think the level of understanding is kind of adequate.
1: No, no, absolutely. People should understand more about science. Even I should understand more about what happens in in other branches of science. It can be very hard, for example, to understand even even basic points about genetics. I think everybody needs to understand I mean, what makes uh, a scientific result strong rather than just being a splashy headline. So everyone should have a good understanding of statistics and how to set up a good... What's
0: the last science story that really excited you, Ruth, you know, that that kind of, I, I suppose we're talking a few weeks after the publication of those pictures by NASA and many academics worked mm-hmm. on it of a black hole, uh, but what what was the science story that, yeah, grabbed you? Yeah,
1: that was great to see, actually one that springs to mind is, I think it was the the very same day, right, a discovery of a new hominin in an island on the Philippines in a cave, another um, species... Yeah, on other species. It's very closely related to, to our own, mm. along with uh, you know Neanderthals, Denisovans, and so on, which could have gives um, new implications under understanding where we've all come from, the great migrations, and how. Well, we'd like to know, of course, how all these species related to each other. And of course, this has nothing to do with my own work. But <laughs> no, no. But I, I, you know, th- when I you when yeah, you say we should all know relating, more right? about
0: science, yes. and and mm. you. You make that kind of interesting point that most scientists wouldn't be able to follow your research, and presumably that applies elsewhere. It immediately makes me think. I suppose, what what do you read? You know, what like uh, many people would rely on something like National Geographic or you know something like that. But it strikes me actually that the two areas of science that people are really interested in is kind of space and particle physics and all that kind of stuff, and then the environment. And there isn't Mm -hmm. actually a good journal, a good magazine like The Economist or like the, you know, that people, people would read. Maybe there's a maybe there's a gap in the market there to create a, something like the New Scientist, but this.
1: But I am mean also where some, do you some, get some really basic things. I mean, thinking about genetics, I mean, this is elementary things, but it's, you know, surprisingly difficult for people to remember or understand about dominant and recessive genes and what that actually means as traits are passed on from parent to child.
0: Yeah, because it's, I suppose, genetics many people wasn't taught in school, was it? You know, if you're <laughs> ever above a certain age, you... I, I, I no, for example, I, yeah. mean,
1: I, I have uh, three children and two of them are twins. And so, I mean, people are wondering, are they identical? And then a lot of people don't even really know what that means. And what does it really? mean they can also yeah, mean yeah. different things. And I don't know if that's necessarily important, but it certainly is real-life science that I think would um, be better if people were more conversant on.
0: So, just to kind of uh, wrap up, I'm, I'm curious, what... If you could, because I'm still trying to get to, in this podcast, what it is that a mathematician, which mm-hmm. in a sense you are, what 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 your day looks like. You know, what what is the uh, what is the? Do you do you work on one problem at a time? Do you have something that you're working on right now that that kind of takes up a lot of your time, or do you work on several projects at at once? Can you in the morning do this, in the afternoon do that, in the evening, you know, kind of. Have several.
1: That's possible, but it is better to take more time to focus on something. So I, I do have a few projects at the moment, but they're they're very closely related.
0: And what what, what what's the the theme, the gist of those projects?
1: The theme is to um, understand these scattering amplitudes in terms of uh, well, <laughs> or sort of to characterize them in terms of new and unexpected mathematical relations. So when I said I was computing scattering amplitudes, the, the way to do so that we teach mm-hmm. to, well, to teach to advanced postgraduate students has been well known for a long time and it's been tested over the centuries. But what those of us who work on it are doing is not so much implementing that as improving upon it because we need to because the old method, while it's robust, is, is just n- too weak computationally to keep up with the needs of say the LHC experiment. So what we found is uh, just by looking at these mathematical objects in a new way, first of all, we can get the results um, much more simply than before, and sometimes this is a real surprise, has been on some occasions. And so we can find it more simply, and then we want to do two things. Then we want to exploit that simplicity to compute them better, really head towards writing new software. And the other thing is we want to understand where this is coming from. What does it mean that we can understand these numbers, these mathematical functions very simply? It must mean something about some new scientific principle that hasn't been appreciated yet.
0: So that's where you're headed. You're headed yes. towards a new principle. That's what you would like that's to right. so uncover. I, so I'm yep. also
1: studying mathematics along with the latest physics research.
0: Great. You. you I think, am I... Right, and thinking you recently won an ERC European yes. Research Council grant, um, is that to fund this, this research, yes. or is it? Yes, yes. So, w- how will that change what you do? How will that help what you do?
1: Oh, it's enabled me to to hire a small research team, Great. hire some, yeah. some postdocs and students who work on related topics and um, to have these uh, stimulating discussions with.
0: So you have now, yeah, a team of people around you, a team, band of band of brothers and sisters. Great. Ruth Brito, thanks very much for for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks oh, Thank again. you
1: very much for the opportunity.